what do I really want? What feels like my fullest expression? And I've always been an advocate for that, that I think it's possible for everyone to find that joy. I don't say you get to hold on to it forever or 24 seven. Mm-hmm. I don't aim for happiness, I aim for equanimity. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, how can I love being alive? Even on the days where I'm sad, I'm alive. And that's something to celebrate. Welcome to Darken the Page, a podcast for lovers of writing and the creative process. And now, here's your host, Dave Buda. Welcome to Darken the Page. Today's interview is with my new friend, Jenny Blake. I met Jenny here in Ubud, Bali. And what I really, really love about Jenny is she has an amazing business mind. She has a She's and she's extremely dedicated. Uh, she'll talk about how she wrote uh, fifty thousand words in one month and what it took to do that. She's published a book. She's working on a second book. I really appreciate her her balance too. She's here in Bali, and one of the things she realizes maybe she's not really inspired to write here for whatever reason, and she's given herself a break. And she's she's from New York City. She's got this beautiful balance of the New York hustle and the let's call it bali spiritual flow so i really think you'll enjoy this interview the audio quality might sound a little funny because we're huddled around one mic visit darkenthepage.com slash zero zero nine for the show notes on this episode and send me any feedback at darkenthepage at gmail.com thanks enjoy the interview so welcome back to darken the page i am here in ubud bali in a small Skype room in a co-working space called Hubud um, with my new friend Jenny Blake and Jenny and I have a lot of mutual friends and I somebody said you need to go talk to this girl Jenny so I approached her and I said I don't know much about you but I want to talk to you and here we are on the podcast so thanks for Thanks for taking the chance on me, Jenny. Dave, it's amazing to meet you. It's great to be here at this teeny tiny little room in Ubud, Bali, and I'm thrilled to be on the podcast, so thanks in advance for everyone who's listening. Yeah, we're going to post a picture of our space here on <laughs> our social media accounts, so make sure you go check that out on Facebook or something. Um, so yeah, first things first, um, apparently you're in love. <laughs> I overheard you saying that. I couldn't know. Dave, you can't out me on a podcast like yeah. that. Um, Maybe tell, tell me a little bit yourself as a, yourself as a writer. I just wanted to get that get the get the bashfulness out. Of, oh you know. yeah, good. Get me flashing right from the get go. I'm bright red for any of you listening and who can't see me. <laughs> this podcast will come out in like maybe two weeks. Hey, so maybe that's things will change. Bali's really about love and healing and self love and you know maybe meeting someone special, which I actually blogged about two days prior of how frustrated and impatient I was and trying to find Zen with nice. my dating life. So, you know, Zen found you. Zen found me. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, that's exciting. That's I was, nice. I was overhearing you talk enthusiastically about <laughs> it with your friend on Skype and it was really beautiful. It was uh-uh. like, you know, it's, it's cause it is a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing to experience that, you know, yeah. and, I, and I, I absolutely love that. So. And I think we'll get to this on creativity, but something about traveling at all, but being in Ubud is it's just this is a very open place it's it's close to nature there's a lot of really amazing people here everyone's got kind of a spiritual bent to them so mm-hmm. i find for myself a spiritual uh, lean yeah you know? spiritual lean exactly <laughs> like, like a gangster, gangster lean, lean. Yeah, that's right, spiritual <laughs> lean, right. <laughs> so yeah i feel more open and more curious and more spontaneous and those are things that i think just help in nice. any facet of life yeah yeah i think so too people are more open to some something magical happening you know and i think that that's what falling in love is all about for example i saw a komodo dragon running out the window when i was here working how big are those things i don't know it was a couple feet long it has a crazy waddle it's got a fierce waddle wow i know there's a lot of uh four-legged lizard-like creatures here (laughs) i I was noticing last night like i was appreciating the, the geckos which are mostly what i see running around our walls and i think geckos are like the perfect animals Aside from the pooping, which mm. they poop occasionally, and then you see the poop on the ground. Aside from that, they pretty much don't, like, they won't even get near you, right? Because they're just, and they, they go along the walls, and they look cool on the wall, right? Because you see the little geckos running on the walls. They don't really, 
they don't bite anything. They just eat insects if they can. So they're kind of like this perfect household companion. Like I've really been appreciating geckos lately. I, I love that. Move over, dogs. Move yeah. Puppies. Yeah. Geckos I mean, you are can't here. Pet them. I do <laughs> wish they were a little more friendly, but you know. And maybe it's just maybe it's the gecko. Well, I think you stuff. should look up a gecko spiritual animal meaning. Oh, maybe. Because maybe it means something for you. I'm for anyone who wants to get really woo. Yeah. When you have a meaningful experience with an animal, it's a fun thing to do. That's good. Yeah. I do have a, I have a lot of meaningful experiences with monkeys too. It's cool. I was up here the other day and I watched monkeys crawl in Amazing. and they Amazing. they were like peeking in because it was pouring rain Amazing. and they were under the shade there which i totally appreciate because i don't like being in the pouring rain either and monkeys apparently are just like us so Amazing. um so yeah and uh so yeah so tell me a little about your yourself as a writer as magnanimous a question as that <laughs> is let me start by saying that i've been writing most of my life i don't necessarily consider myself a good writer i enjoy communicating. I love having written, but I'm not somebody that wakes up every day with the urge to just write. And even the books, I'm working on my second book. Well, we can talk more about that later. Um, you know, writing itself is a process and it's not like I enjoy it hundred percent of the time, but I write with purpose. I love helping others. I love simplifying complex things. So if I can write in service of all that, uh, it's worth it. So I guess the reason I start off with that is because I think some people, myself included, will assume you're either born with it or you're not. <laughs> or if I don't love it 100% all the time, it's not meant for me. Or if I didn't get good English grades at high school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I um, who I am as a writer is I, I try and simplify complex things. I try and be vulnerable and honest mm -hmm. and transparent because that's what I enjoy reading. And I have learned over the many years, I've had my first website, Life After College, for 10 years now, that it's those posts that bring people closer. Nice. If I'm nervous to hit publish, I've done something right. I love that you said simplifying complex things. I would say that that's, that also describes the this, this style of writing that I, mm. I go for, too. Um, and I like, that, I like that you said, you know, I don't consider myself a good writer. I think... I think considering yourself a good writer is like a kiss of death. <laughs> like, know, you know, right? it's the worst. It's just like, you might as well just just set yourself up for stress in that way. Right. Um, because it's good to just stay foolish, you know. Totally. And I just recently had an experience. I wrote a draft of my book. Uh, it's called The Pivot Method. And I was so excited. I did NaNoWriMo. I wrote, you know, half an hour every day. I wrote 50,000 words in a month. I was so wow, excited. Nice. Yeah. And I printed out that draft and I took it home in a box from Kinko's. And as I started reading it, my heart sank. Mm. I, it was not the caliber of book that I read every morning with my coffee. Mm -hmm. And that was a tough feeling to feel like, oh my, I sound so juvenile or, or so awkward or so XYZ inner critic. And the difference is, it's just like being on Facebook. Don't compare your insides to someone else's outsides. Totally. Well, in terms of writing and creativity, don't <laughs> don't compare your first draft to someone's uber-polished finished product. Totally. It's not a fair comparison. So for me, part of the creative process is remembering that. And I really think it takes 10% of the work is in getting down a first draft. There's 90% of grinding <laughs> you know that will happen and mm -hmm. polishing and editing and reviewing and it's tiring and I think anyone who's written a book I don't like to say writing a book is hard I like to constantly remind myself like have fun let this be easy let it be joyful mm -hmm. that said uh, I don't particularly love reading my book for the 20th time and making all those tiny edits mm -hmm. but I know it's important yeah yeah it's like is learning how to play basketball hard <laughs> right. you know what I'm saying right well if you try to do it in a week, it, it would right. seem hard, right? You know, but it's like, if I write every day for a year, and and I write for an hour, and I enjoy it, and it's not so bad, is that hard? You know, right. it's it's a it's a it's a large volume of effort, mm -hmm. but but at the same time, yeah, I think the word hard is definitely not the word I would use. Yeah, I I like to say complex. <laughs> Going back to my thing from uh -huh. earlier. Actually, for most people listening to this podcast, I think that we all want complex, meaty, 
things. Mm-hmm. It's like a big game for our brain. Oh, totally. I do the same know? thing with songwriting. Yeah. I, uh, guitar parts. I'm playing guitar forever, and if I've like, if it's not like cool technical guitar part, I'm like, oh, it can't just be three chords. That's just bored for me. Yeah. <laughs> right. We'd be bored otherwise. So why would I call that hard? It's actually fun. It's just yeah. Sometimes it stumps me. Sometimes I'm frustrated or tired or you know haven't done much honestly since I've been in Bali, which was originally the plan. But that's creativity as well, putting something down for a minute or a week mm-hmm. or two or three and letting more of the high-level ideas marinate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a thing that's come up in this podcast before about the idea of when when you're feeling blocked. I don't even like to use the term writer's block. When you're feeling blocked, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that nothing is possible for writing, but what it might mean is something is possible somewhere else or writing your blog instead of your book, or writing an email to a client, or reading, or running, or doing yoga. Like it's, to me, it's, it's like we're not listening to the right channel sometimes. Right, my dad put this really well, that there's a difference between harvesting, thinking, and writing. Hmm. Harvesting is collecting ideas, reading, getting inspired, maybe connecting dots. Thinking is putting that through your own brain food processor and saying, what are my thoughts? What do I believe? What do I want to say or communicate or share? Or how do I want to impact people? Mm-hmm. And once you've done the thinking, then the writing actually comes somewhat easier. So when someone feels blocked, is it because your ideas aren't crystallized yet or you just aren't expressing the idea that you've already come up with? Mm-hmm. And so for me, as much as I can separate those processes, I have an easier time troubleshooting if I do get stuck. I lo- yeah, I love that. Especially the reading part, like the harvesting for me. I've heard some writers say, you know, when I'm right, I don't like to read, and that's cool, and that works for them. For me, reading really inspires me, um, and I, I do have it that if I'm not feeling the writing, then I know I can always read. I'm never, like, reading blocked, right. <laughs> so, so I do turn to the books. And and especially if I don't, and then if I turn to a book and I don't like the book, well, you know, pick a new book too. That's that's always an option. Right. Seth Godin wrote a great post many years ago on we don't get talkers block. Mm-hmm. Nobody gets talkers block and leaves the house and doesn't know what to say to their nice. friend or over coffee. Mm-hmm. And so there's just something else. It's not the ideas in your brain. It's not your thoughts. It's there's something else that's in the way. Yeah. For the moment. Totally. Totally. And so after you did this first draft, uh, tell me about the process of, of editing it. That was last November, I guess, right? Uh, was this, that? this most recent. Yeah, because that, like that was the 30-day thing in November, right? Yeah, I heard exactly. about that yesterday, actually. Oh, okay. exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, the book that I'm writing is on the pivot method, which is my own methodology for figuring out what's next in your career. Mm-hmm. And funnily enough, I thought, well... Shoot, Say funnily. This is, yeah, I did. I, like I know that. it's not a word. <laughs> that's, that's an awesome word. <laughs> funnily. That's like sweet. Is it a word? It, it is now. All right. Because it's official. This is going to yeah. be on the internet. And that, it's like Shakespeare did that. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. So funnily enough, <laughs> I, I was like, I should apply my own method to this problem and see if it works. And it's nice. plant scan pilot. Think like a basketball player. Ground down in your plant foot. That's what's working. What you've already got under your belt. Your assets. Your strengths. Scan is scan the horizon for what's next or what's out there or what's missing. And then pilot is do small experiments. So actually, with my book draft that I was so unhappy with, I did like plan. All right, well, what do do I like about it? What is working here? What can I salvage? And what am I proud of? And what are my strengths? Scan was, what's the gap? I call it shoot the gap. There is some gap between where you are now and this vision in your head, no matter how fuzzy, of where you want to go. Mm-hmm. So shoot the gap. This is a fun game. Nice. <laughs> Figure out. Solve for X. If you know where you are now and you can articulate a vision for where you want to end up, which that I've done, you can solve for X and that's in between. And so pilot is then chunk it down and don't try and do everything at once. And so in my case, with specifically with my book draft, I started rewriting it. I opened a new blank document and I just wrote off the cuff. If I had to give someone a primer, a 10 page document on the least they needed to know, what would I say? And I rewrote it and that really helped me get momentum again. And putting that, I love that context. You know, a lot of times I start chapters as like an email to a client. Yeah, I love that. What would I say? You know, how would I inspire this person today? And that's really come up with a lot of good writing. Have you ever heard the joke that all business or nonfiction books can be distilled to a two-page summary. 
No. But that's true. It's kind of true. if they true. can't, they're probably not very good. I know. It's too complicated. It's kind of true. Sometimes that makes me laugh when I think about writing because I'm like, here we're toiling over 350 pages or something. And meanwhile, probably two pages could do enough of the job. But totally. I'll write it anyway. No, I think that's, that's <laughs> I, I do think that's important that yeah. it be like that. I mean, compared to a novel where right. we're used to getting just stories, huge storylines mm. that literally need 500 pages or whatever because you need all that information. Uh, a book on personal growth or business is, is very different in that way. Right. Because it really and is just like And what's funny is, if it, yeah, and if it fits on two pages, what are you putting in that's really going to make it worth someone's while? And that's mm -hmm. important to me too, to just constantly ask, how can I be original and most helpful? Mm -hmm. And I don't ask original just for kicks, but there are certain things that I find are, are missing from books that I read or business books. They're all kind of the same. Mm -hmm. Start with a powerful anecdote. Get into some research and studies. Mention the marshmallow study. And, you know, the I like the marshmallow state. study. <laughs> of course. Everyone uses those. But, uh, yeah, so I try and think about how can I innovate, at least in format, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, too, that... I like the questions. I like questions and answers in a way. Um, and it's the same thing I do, if, like speaking to a group. So, you know, we like to leave half the time for Q&A. And, and I, I've done that in this book that I'm writing where I'm, I'm taking the last half of the book and have it be kind of a response to the questions that might, be, that might arise in the first half. And I got inspired by the way Eckhart Tolle wrote The Power of Now. I mean, basically the whole thing is questions and answers, which... I still can't really wrap my head around how a book that epic and that timeless is literally just questions and answers. You know, it almost just breaks all the rules of what I think a book should be. And so I've really taken some notes from that, and, I, and that's something that I, that I enjoy because, yeah, it is like, what do you write after the two pages? You know, you have to right. clarify what you wrote. And, but how do you know how to clarify? Because it's, it's you. Like, you, don't, you need to know the world in a way. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so important to get out of. That's been a huge recharge for me coming to Bali. Even if I don't do one word of writing, new writing here, I'm meeting so many people mm -hmm. and I'm hearing them talk about their transitions and their career and what they're struggling with. And that alone is giving me insight into how to frame things. Just like you said, it makes me want to reread Power of Now. Mm -hmm. What's brilliant about Eckhart Tolle's book is it's all about the mind so it's amazing that he sort of anticipates what your mind is going to ask yeah and you're right that that's such a brilliant thing to do even if you don't explicitly state this is q a mm -hmm. but actually understanding who your readers are and what they most want from you yeah and the questions are interesting too i noticed this with byron katie as well i don't know if you're a byron katie fan. yeah but some of her audios the best audios that she does when she's recording the conversations with people at her at her events it's almost like the people that ask really dumb questions or the people that are kind of innocently simple in a way and it's the same thing with with power of now because i listen to the questions and they're not you know they're questions like well how do i love myself you know or well so you say that we're god but why does that you know why do I suffer still? Stuff like that. And they're questions that most people would be too proud to ask. And so I find that there's also an art to, to knowing what the question is that people would want to ask but actually won't ask. Because a lot of the questions people would ask are just trying to make themselves sound, sound smart. Right. right? That's right. mostly what we do with questions. We're like, how do I ask this in a way that... This used to happen when I, was at, I went to college at the Naval Academy. And we'd have these speakers come in and they'd speak to the whole school and then they would always have students that would get up on the mic and ask questions and it was just this like dissertation they're like well so i've read in this book and and it would seem like the economics of uh the middle east and uh, and it would just be this it was like this is just a question designed so he thinks you're not an idiot right you know and it's like why do we do that well we do that so getting down to the like 10 year old questions are I think the best way to actually yeah. find that refinement and that's what I found Tony Robbins says want a better life ask better questions I think on the subject of writing and creativity there's so much we can ask ourselves in self-inquiry as well I mean I just love the power of questions in general so even if it's not asking them of an author it's I think one of the most powerful coaching questions is what do you want mm. what do you really want 
That's it. Did That's an entire it. Workshop that could, you can anyone you can anyone in your life, if someone listening to this is struggling with anything, it's well, what do you want? Yeah. Okay, I want to feel less struggle. Great. What else? Yeah. What else? I think of it like the roots of a tree. Uh-huh. When you first ask, you're at the ground level, and you get deeper, deeper, deeper. And when you're stuck, well, why? What do I want instead? Mm-hmm. Uh, and okay, it's not the result. So anyway, I that process of self inquiry, I find very empowering because it's less about. I'm an idiot and I'm a terrible writer and I can't do this and this is so hard. It's just like, okay, I, I say, like, be the scientist. Just t- try and remove the emotions from it for a minute and just say, like, I have a theory. Mm-hmm. I'm going to test it mm-hmm. and then I'll keep revising. Yeah. The what do you want question is beautiful. And I, I led a men's group a couple weeks ago and we actually used that. And what we did is, we did this exercise. I think we only had five guys there. So we had one person in the middle, and then we set the timer for like 10 minutes. And we just, all you could ask was that question. And you can ask it in different ways, and you can add the word really. So you say, what do you want? And the next guy would say, what do you really want? I love it. And then the next guy would say, yeah, well, what do you really want? And like, what do you really want, man? And just kind of asking <laughs> it in different it. ways. And it. it was just so hilarious. I mean, it, it is... It is, to me, the most profound question. And, yes. I, you know, Alan Watts talks a lot about this, and that it's not, there's this beautiful video that he talks about the, you know, the, the tail doesn't wag the dog, right? And it's, so when we ask why, a lot of times it's just useless. I agree right? completely. Yeah, you know, you're like, completely. yes. <laughs> so it's like, what do I want is the most fascinating question in the world, but why do I want it? doesn't even matter if I you know why do I want it is it's fun to live in the mystery of that because sure. we'll never know but explaining it with the past is what he says is was it's 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 a it's it's not explaining it at all it's like a refusal to actually explain it and it's intellectualizing a, an instinct which I think is futile yes when when we get a hit um, I know this is maybe not everyone uses the same language but Sometimes I think people get this hit, this instinct of they want something and they can't articulate why. Yeah. And you don't need to just follow it. Right. Follow the clues. And speaking of Alan Watts, he wrote a great book, The Wisdom of Insecurity. Mm-hmm. I love that book because it says to me, be insecure. You should be insecure. We're all going to die. That's yeah. scary. Mm-hmm. So I'm such an advocate for... I do not tell people, oh, you have to love yourself completely before you can find love or write a book or do whatever thing you want. Screw it. Like, yeah. no, you, you, I actually don't think you do. I think be your wonderful, insecure self. Be fearful. There's a book, Shambhala, that talks about how bravery is sadness at the same time. Being mm-hmm. a humble warrior, being a warrior of the spirit, of the heart is fearful because you're so vulnerable Mm -hmm. and it's sad because you're so open to the suffering that's going on in yourself and in others lives and so Mm -hmm. not to try and separate all these things but embrace them Mm -hmm. and I'm with you the why I never ask my coaching clients because I think why also puts people on the defensive a little bit Mm -hmm. oh well why as it kind of should in a way right yeah people have been people have been conditioned to to justify to their parents their whole life right I mean, ever since we were we could talk, we've been having to answer that question to our parents. Well, I want ice cream because I want ice cream. <laughs> right, or to you know? anyone in society. I want a fire truck because I want a fire truck. Right. I'll ask instead, I'll say, what's important to you about that? That's how I work around the why. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I think if if a person's wanting to dig a little deeper, yeah, I'll just say, well, what's important yeah, to you about that? Yeah, we want to find the value. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's really important. How does that relate to your writing process? How does that wisdom come in in your let's just say creative process even i don't how does it not in a way so another one of my personal mottos is build first courage second Mm -hmm. any major leap i've taken in my life and a creative project is a big leap it's pretty it's weird it's weirdly vulnerable to put ideas out there there's this weird some amount of ego has to come in to say i have something to say and you should listen to me Mm -hmm. so sometimes i grapple with that like Mm -hmm. is this worth saying and um, but the build first, courage second is don't expect your courage to show up first. When you feel courageous, when you feel confident, then you can do whatever thing. Mm-hmm. For me, it's writing. I don't need to feel totally confident that I've got it and I'm going to write the most amazing book and it's definitely going to be a bestseller. No, I need to just build, start mm-hmm. taking small actions, have the gremlins sitting on my shoulder while I'm writing and just keep going. 
just keep taking those small steps. And in doing that, I feel more courageous mm -hmm. because I'm taking action. Yeah. And it's almost like, you know, you don't even think about being courageous. Like that doesn't even occur to you as, right. as a thing. It's like somebody might be like, Jenny, you're so courageous. And you're like, what? I'm sorry. I was just working. I, I didn't right. realize I was being courageous. <laughs> right. I was just doing the thing. Or they'll say that about, I don't know if anyone said this to you about working in Bali. They'll say, oh, you're so lucky. <laughs> that's, that's a whole nother of course, right? <laughs> how do you do that? And then either people are asking how you do that financially or they're just too afraid to ask, how do you I do it? I just wrote a really detailed blog post that I'm going to put. And he, here was a gremlin. Jenny, a million people have written about living and working in Southeast Asia. Like, don't just be another clutter to the stream. Uh -huh. But I wrote it anyway because I just felt it's important to just share all the numbers right, you didn't and I'm not why. a frugal, frugal traveler I'm not a travel hacker so maybe there's a room for a middle way yeah. that's not out there but uh, yeah the luck thing and especially with travel and how that relates to courage is it's always a leap of faith for me to book that ticket mm -hmm. that one way ticket to Bali and figure out how I'm going to pay for it pretty much after that I mm -hmm. don't figure it out in advance go first but yeah, once I've got the later. bug in my head <laughs> I'll make it happen and I think that's true for most of the people listening if you think back to a time you really wanted something once you decided it the universe conspired in your favor you know I like to say it will roll out a red carpet things will start to happen serendipity will work in your favor and synchronicity and that's how I always know, all right, I made the right choice. I'm on the right track. Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, there's a commitment that happens, too, when we yes. do that. So, you know, I, I like the example of buying a plane ticket. You know, the percentage of people that miss flights is extremely small compared to the people that miss things they haven't paid for or things they haven't committed to. And I think what happens is we, we, we put this getting to the flight on time into this special part of our brain where it just has to happen. There's not right. an option. It's not like, well, going to the gym. I'll go to the gym. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't feel like going to the gym. Okay, maybe I'll go. It just doesn't happen like that because it doesn't occur to us like that. Because we've been conditioned, even if we're rich, that you can't miss flights because they're non-refundable and they don't wait for you. Like the plane literally does not wait ever. And so we put it in that part of our brain. And sure enough, like the subconscious mind conspires to get us there on time which you know is really cool because i have noticed for myself how i get places on time it's not always conscious like my there is a thing that's working to get me where i need to be on time if i have it that i have to be on time but if i have it that doesn't matter I'll probably show up five minutes late because, but why don't I show up 10 minutes late? Well, the same thing that's having me show up five minutes late could have me show up five minutes early too if I had really programmed it better. This is true. And I love that you brought up commitment. One of my favorite quotes is, in commitment we find freedom. And I love it because I think in, especially the nomadic, let's say location independent community, I think sometimes people get a bad rap for not wanting to commit. I don't want to commit to a, uh, working for someone else or living in one place or any other thing, mm -hmm. but that actually making some core commitments in our lives gives us freedom. Mm -hmm. And I think, let's say the right relationship to take this a full circle mm -hmm. can create that freedom. It doesn't have to feel like a ball and chain. It can actually create more freedom in somebody's life and more possibility mm -hmm. and more inspiration. And I've always held out for that, even when it didn't feel that way to me, mm -hmm. but Part of, I think, making that commitment is also committing to, again, your own values and your own vision. This is what I want, and I believe that it's possible. <coughs> Even if I can't see yet how this is going to happen, or and I don't think you should, and I don't think you will. Yeah. Life doesn't work that way. Right, and that's not how, that's not the prerequisite for commitment. Right. You know? Exactly. I wrote this article that I think you'd love called The Peculiar Reason Why Men and Women Are, are Afraid of Deep Relationships, and it's essentially my journey of being a guy who was in not committed, not deep relationships for many, many years, and then meeting the woman I'm now married to about almost three years ago, uh, two and a half years ago. And we got, we moved in together a month later and we're engaged four months later, like after we met. And it was my whole process around that, which was redefining commitment for myself. Um, and understanding essentially what you're saying, which is 99% is terrible. Nine, you know, anything less than 100% commitment is the worst. Right. Right. And right. but 100% is freedom. 
and yes. and it's beautiful and and so yeah that's a really important point and this gets us to the topic of decision fatigue it's exactly what you said if you're committed 90 percent, your brain is it's so inefficient to worry about that 10 percent and the what ifs and should i's that'll come with it mm-hmm. and the, the just uh, the cracks in the sidewalk that grow when it's not 100 mm-hmm. percent, and yet at 100 percent, you just eliminate that exhaustion from constantly trying to question if you should commit or in what manner or at what level mm-hmm. when it's a yes or a no and it's a yes whether it's a relationship or a creative undertaking fantastic that's one giant question that your brain doesn't have to turn over and we mm-hmm. most of us know now willpower is a limited resource so don't spend it on that mm-hmm. like commit be bold and if it's really not working fine revisit it but yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I can't wait to read that post. Yeah, totally. Um, all right, so I want to, I want to, I'm loving this discussion and I, and my mind is like, bring it back to writing. <laughs> um, so tell me a little more about your 30 days and what sort of trials and tribulations you went through in, in actually, because you did it. I mean, you really did it and congratulations for making it. Um, what did you go through and, and what were some of the things you had to overcome? The biggest thing was that in eight years of blogging, I only wrote when I was inspired. Mm -hmm. I wrote when I felt that rush and desire to write something. And I guess that's not altogether true because when I was working full time, I would write two blog posts every Sunday. So that's a case where I made myself sit down and write. But I tended to take a very lackadaisical approach (laughs) into my creativity. This was a challenge because it was saying, doesn't matter how you feel, right? Right. And... I enjoyed that. It was a cool experience. What was most helpful for me was to queue up three choices of a topic the night before. Again, making the differentiation between thinking versus writing. So I picked the three, and when I sat down at my desk the next morning, I had a short list. I could pick one of those three that most resonated and then go. That way I wasn't trying to think while while focusing on output. That was very helpful. I also created a spreadsheet and invited people from my blog to come in, and and that was great for accountability. I made it public. We could all see what each other was doing. We were adding little comments to each other, and this template still exists if anyone wants to do a daily writing practice. That was very helpful. Mm -hmm. And then there was a point three weeks in where I wasn't going to hit it at my current pace. Mm -hmm. And on the subject of commitment, at that moment I decided, do I want to just let it slide and be like, oh, well, 35,000 is still pretty good. Or am I going to haul ass and change things and make this happen? Let me guess what you did. What did I do? (laughs) You hauled ass and made it happen. (laughs) I did. But I had to have a second moment of, what should I do? Should I really commit to this thing? Should I really hit 50,000 no matter what? Mm -hmm. And once I decided, yes, don't, you know, come on, don't what's out on me now. Like, (laughs) my self-talk. Then I thought, all right, then I'm going to put in a four-hour chunk. I'm going to give myself a, a head start. And... I think sometimes that's helpful, just uh, switch things up. Yeah, I get that. And I and I, I think I want to highlight, too, because, you know, you said, well, I ended up reading this draft and it wasn't, you know, you didn't, you didn't like it as much. And But I think I want to highlight the importance of following through with what you say you're going to do. Yeah. Very important thing to do. And also, you know, I, it, the practice of writing to write. You know, I, I talked about a lot, talk about this a lot in dating is that instead of dating to find someone, we date to date because dating is fun. And if we're not enjoying dating, then, well, there's no sense in doing it. Because well, yeah, although I'm a, sort of a contrarian in this way because mm-hmm. I really don't enjoy dating as a practice. I, I know I should. It's a big <laughs> shit. Well, you don't, well, you don't I, have to, but you're not enjoying dating the way you're doing it. No way that I've ever tried the the verb dating. Did that ever work? Well, we'll talk later about this. But but then, in a way, it's like um, freeing to be like, fine, but pick your own process that's going to work. Because what you don't get to do is just sit around and complain. That much I know. (laughs) Yeah, in a sense, you probably meet people um, and have a social life in a way that works. Yeah. Definitely. Right. So dating is like, okay, going on lame dates is everybody who likes that. But, you know, so the example of why I brought this up is I committed to my writing in the blog about two months ago. And I decided I've been blogging for a while, too. And I and I just been getting I've been getting good enough feedback with my blog that it's like, come on, 
let's go in on this. And my first instinct was, let's go in so in a couple of years I can have a huge audience and make a full-time income or whatever. And I was like, great, I'm going to do that and I'm going to post once a week and that's why. And it was like, wait a second, I already did that. I already tried that and it didn't work. And the reason was I wasn't, that, that purpose doesn't inspire me ultimately. But what I came to the conclusion of and what I do now that really works for me is I write as a practice. You know, I write for the sake of writing. And if I write something awesome, that's great. I'm, I'm committed to publishing an article on Monday morning every week. But I write to write. And in that way, the 50,000 words, whether they're thrown out or not, become valuable. Everything I do becomes valuable because it's not the result. And that's Absolutely. So huge. Oh, I love everything you just said. And Except for things. the dating thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That I just had to, I just had to be my stubborn self on that. Yeah, no good. But, but hey, like I met someone great in Bali, so yeah, maybe my strategy you, works. You know it yeah. only works though, like once every two years. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to be more patient. That's okay. You got a long life. Yeah, two. That's pretty good. Oh man. So what I was gonna say in response to what you just said, to know why is so important. First, to love the process. I'm with you. If I don't, if I don't love it while I'm doing it, why would? Why on earth would someone love it when they're reading it? Mm -hmm. Hey, so I really got it. You got to find the love in it somewhere mm -hmm. or just don't do it or yeah. do something else. Second, um, I wrote a blog post looking for business love in all the wrong places. Nice. That the first two years of my business of being self-employed, I was trying to be a good entrepreneur. So I kept racking my brain. What course should I create? Words like passive, scalable, leverage, time for money. I mean, every concept under the sun. Online marketing, sales page, conversion rates, all of it. I obsessed over it. And the one thing that I lost was, what's the point? Mm -hmm. How can I be most of service? How can I be the most helpful to the, insanely helpful to the most amount of people? Mm -hmm. That's why I write. So I had to, in that moment, I had this aha moment and I thought, I'm an idiot. Like for two years, I've been focusing on how to make money, and I stopped asking, "How can I be insanely helpful to the most people? Mm -hmm. What do the ones who are already here want from me?" Mm -hmm. And that, because as as we said, like I don't always love the writing necessarily when I'm in it. I mean, yes and no. Mm -hmm. I can get into a great flow state, mm -hmm. and it's really fun. Yeah. But but if I know how that chunk is going to be of service to someone. It gets me in the chair. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's important for me, I'll kind of search and find that connection with whatever I'm going to sit down to write. And it helps me express it. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, that's the purpose thing for sure. Yeah, it's kind of why the emails to the clients work so well. Like, you know, it's yeah. going to help one person. Right, you know? exactly. A, lo a lot of times I find that I one of the reasons I write is that I can't get through to people. And so let's say let's say I'm talking to my dad, and I and I and I'm like, Dad, I I really want my dad to understand something, but I don't want to be his coach, and I don't want to do this. So I try my best, but it just doesn't come out. So I say, All right, I'm going to write the article that I that I would want him to read. Now he may not even read it, or if he reads it, he might not even care. But I'm going to do that because I want I really want this to get across. And if I can articulate it, that's the challenge. You know, that's the art of it. If I can really, again, simplify things and explain it, break it down. That's um, yeah, I love that, too. Mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's cool to write those little anecdotes of uh, having a conversation or something you might not have wanted to say in the moment to someone. But to use that, mm -hmm. I also uh, Rilke has this amazing quote of just don't think for a second, I'm paraphrasing of course, but yeah. don't think for a second that the words you're reading from an author that you resonate with haven't come from like an even deeper pool of sorrow and suffering. That you, the author has to know that to write it and for it to resonate. And so for me, another source of inspiration is when I struggle and I just think, well, what would I want to say to myself? And mm -hmm. therefore, what can I say to others? Mm -hmm. And so I try and be clear that I'm not, I never want to be an expert up on a high horse. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I don't struggle with this, but you might. Yeah. I try and really say like, hey, here's what I'm going through. Here's what I'm telling myself that's working. Mm -hmm. Try it on. Yeah. There's a guy named Steve Chandler who I had on the first episode mm -hmm. here. And he, something he shares, which I've, which he shared on the podcast as well, is this Robert Frost quote. Robert Frost said, no tears in the writer, no tears in the reader. No surprise in the writer, no surprise in the reader. 
and it's such a beautiful quote and that's that would have to Steve that is that's his that's on his wall that's the, the thing he looks at and it's so true and and, and I do find and I also find too that sometimes I go back and read something I wrote and then I get moved too mm-hmm. so when I do find that that emotion or that rawness that's that's just everything and, and sometimes it's surprising I'm like whoa that moved I can't believe that you know like talking about my mom I, I didn't okay sure right. but, but then it, you know it, it translates somehow and that's again the mystery of it all who are some of your influences, some people that you really love in the creative world, let's say? I just, since I'm here, I read Joseph Campbell. The yes. Yeah, I just love his work on the hero's journey and myth. And he's just really connected to the unique human experience. I love the book Shambhala. I love Martha Beck, is one of my favorite coaches and authors. Nice. I just resonate with her stuff so much. At the end of the day, I mean, I love Neil deGrasse Tyson. I just read Origins, which is really cool to get at. I mean, normally reading business and, and kind of more spiritual-leaning books. Mm-hmm. And this was so fun to read about the cosmos from, a fair, from an astrophysicist. Mm-hmm. But then to see how it connects to the mind-body stuff that I normally gravitate toward. So for me, it's, it's, it changes. But I really appreciate anyone that can talk about the yin and the yang of the human experience mm-hmm. that can talk about suffering and sadness and why it's worth putting up with all that. And I think why I resonate with Joseph Campbell so much is he talks about we're not really trying to figure out the meaning of life. We just want the rapture of being alive. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to what we were saying. It's not always why. Why am I alive? Why am I conscious? Why do I have feelings? Don't I mean, I've asked these things. Yeah. But it's truly the rapture of being alive mm-hmm. what do I really want What's what feels like my fullest expression and I've always been an advocate for that that I think it's possible for everyone to find that joy I don't say you get to hold on to it forever or 24-7 mm-hmm. I don't aim for happiness I aim for equanimity mm-hmm. but at the same time how can I love being alive even on the days where I'm sad I'm alive and feeling things and that's something to celebrate yeah I was thinking about how Joseph Campbell's hero's journey relates also to what we were saying about when you're connecting with someone to share your failures, to share how this is hard for me too, I'm not an expert, and here was my journey, here's how I slayed the dragon, here's how I came out the other side, and here's how I returned home, you know, with something, but something that happened because I, I sucked. Too. And so, totally. and so, and then just watching how the hero's journey applies in bazillion places yeah. has been really fascinating. But that's another one that I never thought about before now. Yeah, totally. I mean, personal story in January of last year, one year ago today, I almost quit my business. And um, I just had had a really hard year. And I thought, should I go get another job? Am I being delusional mm-hmm. to think that I'm cut out for this? Like, hey, maybe the jig is up. Had a good run. Yeah. And I ended up doubling say, my income. Did you say jig? The jig. <laughs> okay. The jig is up. The gig, jig. Okay. I like that. The gig is up? Oh, we have no, some but I like to jig Google. too. I think that's the phrase. Because jig is like a dance. Yeah. Right? So right. Like, like I put the, on a show. Jig. Okay. Right. It's like, I like the imposter syndrome. I haven't heard somebody use it like that. And again, oh, okay. I'm. <laughs> I want you to know, I'm, this is not criticism at all. I'm that excited okay. by new words. I'm like, <laughs> if my whole life could be improv, that would be the best way to describe <laughs> it. So That'd be amazing. Well, I can't say I'm totally accurate. Okay. Who knows? No, no, it's but... perfect. It's not about accuracy. <laughs> I, I knew what you were saying. Well, funnily enough, <laughs> I am... Um, Yes, yeah, so the point being, I doubled my income. Um, and that didn't happen because a unicorn floated across the sky and I hooked onto it. It's because yeah. I was so determined that moment, like, no, I'm not done yet. Yeah. So fine, then figure it out. You know, mm-hmm. that's where I got tough with myself again. Like, all right, well then, what I love about business is it's a logical problem, if you will, or situation. If I create something and the market doesn't want it, mm-hmm. I'm not a failure, but that product was a, was a failure. Mm-hmm. I can learn from it very objectively. And so to me, it was a question of, well, then what business model do I create? And I'm so glad that I didn't give up. And I'm so glad that I'm here now talking to you in a tiny little podcast room. (laughs) (laughs) And I think in sharing that, people can see we all go through that. Again, uh, 
anyone listening, maybe up until now, thinks I'm different somehow, and I'm, I'm not, mm-hmm. or you're different somehow. But the point is, I'm always reminding you when I'm on a podcast, like, I'm not special. Totally. I'm not an expert on anything. Any of you listening could be here as the guest, and you would be fascinating. Uh-huh. I have no doubt. And that's also, too, why I feel like I was excited about this concept for this podcast, because I don't know a writer that doesn't have good days and bad days and as silly as it seems to have reminding people of that be so profound it still is I personally have gotten so much out of this podcast like this and just in general yeah and it's so cool to see everybody's just like me and that I just cannot get reminded of enough it's the most it's is the reason we do we do we gather as as people probably we've been doing this since thousands of years and the message is wow you're just like me oh my gosh you struggle too great and and i find this in relationships too i I wrote another article called my relationship sucks and so does yours sometimes (laughs) and it's the whole thing about why don't what if we were just honest about how our relationship is going and because if, if somebody asked me like 20 times, say, hey, how's your marriage? And I was like, it's great. It's awesome. And now it may be awesome at the time, but if they asked me over the course of, you know, like a week and I w- it was awesome every time they asked, um, now I'm just like a walking Facebook. Like that doesn't work. You know, I'm just like a highlight reel for my <laughs> life. And, and it leaves them kind of bummed out. And I just, I feel like so much suffering can be avoided through honesty in how are you doing how is your writing how's that book coming like if that if you somebody asked me how is my book coming and i and it, it may be going great in the moment in which case i would say we you know right now i'm killing it i mean right now it's just feeling great especially in the last um 2.3 hours <laughs> you know but yesterday was just a drag and and that to me is so much nicer is so much better of a, an answer because I think it, it definitely helps people ultimately and that's what I want to do you know help people so. right I agree I think that's how writers as well we can all find our voice is what's true for me in this moment mm-hmm. let's say you have no clue what to write today and you're free right I love at, I love I call these blog posts truth posts mm-hmm. they're truth posts they're when a deep truth has shown up for me it's usually embarrassing yeah <laughs> and uh, and I sit down and I just speak the truth that I'm experiencing and it's not you know like the one I wrote about the dip is called special, not special. It's mm-hmm. what you just said. It's, I'm not special. I'm an archetype. We're all archetypes. Joseph Campbell has codified my, the exact thing I went through. You know, change is as old as time. This is nothing new. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we are all unique. And we do have a unique message to share. Mm-hmm. And those truth posts for me are very different than like a logistical post. Or here's what it costs to live in Bali. Totally. So I try and make a practice of maybe 50 50 of mm-hmm. writing truth posts or maybe one truth post for every two normal posts but mm-hmm. i always try and push myself what's the truest thing that i can express in this moment mm-hmm. that will help people mm-hmm. it's almost harder for me to share the truth posts where i'm like gleeful or something because mm-hmm. <laughs> i just sometimes doubt if people even want to hear that or if it's more annoying mm-hmm. yeah i don't you, know what yeah. your thoughts are on that i know i i agree in that i do sense if I can't give people a little dirt, mm-hmm. then they, they won't, they won't, they'll be like, what's up with that? That seems right. kind of clean. You sure you right. wore that shirt or something, you know? And um, it actually reminds me a lot of what Mike Rostowski does, a mutual friend. And, you know, he's just like, all right, gut spilling time. And it's like, you know, and that's, that's something that uh, I think turns us on creatively too, which is really cool because when we have something to spill, it's like, ooh. This is kind of exciting. Right. You know, it's scary, but it's exciting, too. Yeah, and maybe maybe you don't share every truth post, but that you at least write it and you learn how to express it mm-hmm. and how to connect with that really authentic place that isn't the Facebook mm-hmm. highlight reel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's almost like a prompt would be what what would get me... What, would, what, what could I write that I would be very worried about the consequences yes. of? Yes, what are you embarrassed to share <clears throat> today? Yeah, what could get me in trouble down the line? What would have me not get a job in the future? Right. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What would send my readers unsubscribing in droves? One guy wrote my Am- on an Amazon review for my first book, Life After College, this woman is crazy. She's so unstable. She's like a 15-year-old girl. She probably will go cry in the corner in a ball after reading this. 
Uh -huh. I, and it's even worse than that. But I'm kind of laughing because it's like, well, yeah, actually, <laughs> you know, sometimes I do go cry on a ball. But I also wrote the book, and what are you doing, guy? Yeah. Is this guy projecting you know? what he needed? Is yeah, I don't know. Like it's just funny. Come. It's so it's like, uh, yeah, sometimes I'm a hot mess, but I'd rather totally. share it and then than not. Is there a book called Hot Mess? Because that would be really... <laughs> I thought about writing that. That would be a cool book. Or like hotmess.com. I know. Um, or be like hotmess.com where you could just share... People, it was like a forum. People just share <laughs> their hot mess stories. Yeah, hashtag hot mess. You, you know, start that. It would probably just turn into like a, like a drinking or like drugs related. Right. Like right. here's how fucked up I got. Right. Not really like vulnerable stuff. Yeah, that's but true. But maybe vulnerable hot mess. Hot vulnerable yeah, mess. Yeah, hot vulnerable mess. That'll probably mess. be available. I don't hot I'm mess. I'm telling you, we can start a, hot, a hashtag right now. Yeah, hashtag hot mess. Yeah. 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 All right, hashtag hot mess. That's it. <laughs> that's so we, we're inventing words, hashtags here, <laughs> um, new business ideas. That's this right. Is, this is it's the heat. It's that's the heat right. in it's this the room. Lack of oxygen. In this yeah. Room. <laughs> yeah, that's obviously the case. Um, so, what are some more things that you do in your creative process that people might not expect? What are some like kind of quirky, you know, Jennyisms or something? Mm. Like if we were to video, if we were to follow you around. Yeah. You know, for a couple of days, what would we notice about you? Well, I'm pretty fanatical about sleep. I guess I'm big on optimizing my whole body system. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm in a bad mood, it's usually not actually the presenting emotional thing that my mind wants to grab onto. Sometimes it's just I need to work out. I haven't mm -hmm. been to a yoga class in a few days. So yeah. movement and food and sleep are really important, actually, to then when I sit down to be creative, I feel like I have more access to it. Mm-hmm. Early in the morning is when I write best. And, but as for quirky, I don't know. I carry moleskins everywhere. People make fun of me. I might be at a bar <laughs> and okay. I'll still pull out my moleskin and write down some stuff. Nice. Yeah. And uh, I guess I oscillate between free writing, journal writing, meditating, and then very structured things like outlining or mind mapping or things that it just depends what what i need in that moment mm -hmm. yeah my long rambling answer yeah so you're more of like a pen and paper kind of girl than maybe like sometimes a not for the writing itself i do okay. i do a lot in evernote as well i have me too yeah, oh my god i can show you my evernote i know it's so fun it's like a book writing tool it is. i didn't know idea i started it this is. about six months ago i've talked about this before too on the podcast evernote's been like the book writing software that I was looking for. Yes. You know? It, I like it better than Scrivener. Oh, I never use Scrivener. Yeah. Scrivener has a similar setup, but it's not synced on all devices the mm -hmm. way that Evernote is. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. I've written actually a lot on my phone. Um, there's something that about writing on my phone where my brain's like, this is no big deal. That's awesome. You know? Mine is like, oh, what a pain. <laughs> <laughs> Typing with your thumbs. I can type, I'm, I'm a quick thumb typer. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some It kind of frustrates me when I see people doing the one thumb oh, on the iPhone. Hashtag hot mess. I'm like, you, you were not, you were, you have to evolve into two thumbs here. You just want to like give them a little tutorial. And then I, but then I remind myself, it's kind of like, oh, like my wife touched like punt and pecs. Mm. And I'm like, mm. I asked her, I was like, you know, I could find some like touch typing software for you. And it'll probably be pretty fun. Like a game that teaches you how to touch type. And she's like, no. And. I thought about it, and I thought, you know, it's kind of like slowing down. You know, if you have to hunt and peck, it's a little more meditative. You know, yeah, and maybe the people, maybe the people on the phones are kind of just, yeah, they're slowing down. It's like Bali. It's like Bali typing. You know, <laughs> click, click. That's click, hilarious. Click. Well, I like your reframe on it. I had to because it was bugging the shit out of me. Yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> I was like, why don't you use both thumbs? I know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here's a good. Um, Speaking of vulnerability, here's a good here's a good vulnerability question. What is your what are your big fears as a writer or as a creative person? My big fear, my biggest fear, is being a motivational hack. That's the word that always oh, comes to me. Oh, me too. Damn it. Yeah, yeah. I I don't want. Okay, first of all, it's extremely important to me to live my message uh -huh. and to do interesting things worth talking and writing about, and that gives me credibility. Um, I, I think a big fear I have is I do something cool in my career like the high school quarterback and then I just ride that the rest of my life and I start it, to me it's Are like you a high school quarterback? no okay. but you know okay. you know that analogy <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah where 
it's like the pyramid scheme of the internet. I don't love the idea of, hey, I just learned this, so now I'm going to turn around and teach you as though I've been doing it 20 years. Totally. That really bothers me. Yeah. So it's important to me to have authority, credibility, interesting things to say, and original. So fear I have, especially with my book, is I don't want this to be boring, and I don't want it to be unoriginal, and I want it to really help people. And so a fear is that I won't execute it well, that I have the ideas. I know that it's possible to help change people's lives and careers for the better mm -hmm. or help them change them themselves. But yeah, a fear is I won't execute it well. So people will get bored or they'll write on Amazon. I, every time I'll write a sentence, it'll be like, that's the one they're going to pick out and skewer you with. Oh, that's and tough. yeah, so it's like on the one hand helpful because it'll help me write better sentences, but I also have to just put it down for a minute so I can write. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta admit, before you said motivational hack, I didn't even realize that was like a big fear mm. of mine as a writer. And I, I sense that we both have similar instincts in that I just, we just like teaching and breaking down things and things, things kind of come easy sometimes in a way where it's like, I feel like I can't actually explain this, but I've only been doing it for a month or whatever, you know, yeah. it seems like that. And I do get caught up in that a lot, and and it is something I really keep in mind yeah. a lot. So I really appreciate you saying that. Yeah, and I think as long as you're honest about it, it's cool. Yeah. Then then great. Everyone has all the information. I just don't like when I see, and unfortunately, I've seen a lot of like the smoke and mirrors stuff. People presenting one image, and then they're doing something totally different behind the yeah. scenes, and it's just not something that I will do. And I think part of the motion, motivational hack fear is. I'm a, I'm a cheerleader. I mean, I love encouraging people, mm -hmm. but I don't want to be superficial in that. I don't want to just say, oh, rah, rah, you can do it. Mm -hmm. I want to give people really practical, tactical tools and strategies and share the dirt, like you said, yeah. so that the you can do it comes with a dose of authenticity and vulnerability and like tools, mm -hmm. actual useful things that they can take action on. Yeah. Yeah. That's really great. Yeah. Okay, so um, last question. What What is one thing you would say to your previous self, let's say the self that started something, started whatever again, we sure. started this a long time ago, but if you could slip a note to yourself um, in the past when you, get, when you got started with either maybe your own business or, or writing, um, what would you say? Other than add an email capture. <laughs> Add an email capture, was that? Yeah, for newsletter. Oh, oh yeah. Like I started Gosh, you're in, so deep, I started in 2005. <laughs> I know, it was the biggest. Uh, other than that, okay, if I could slip myself a note. Because I didn't add an email until like 2011 when my, or 2010 when my book was coming out. Yeah, it's that was overrated. five years of business building I could have done. I was the worst business builder. I just built my blog and I built it slowly and focused on quality. I didn't really turn it into a business. Just until. focused on quality? What? That's crazy. No, right? Yeah. I'm, so, I'm okay. really, I'm out there. You're terrible. Well, a lot of people would say, like, had, had traffic goals and things like that, and oh, they never did. Please. Oh, your yeah. traffic goals. I would, still don't. If you had traffic goals back in 2005, you would not be here right now. You would be, you would have just thrown it away so out true. of misery. It's so because, true. And I got to tell you, too, because I, I, as a musician, I've done email marketing a lot. And it's tiring, and it and it's not exciting. And and I believe in, I believe that success comes from sustainability, which yeah. comes from fun. Yes. Yeah. And if we don't make it fun, it's just all over. Okay. So I, I'm gonna say that I'm glad you didn't do email Thank marketing. You. I'm glad that it's only been you know a few years of that. Thank you. And you brought up that's what I would say to myself. I would say if something you're working on related to your blog business, blog book or business doesn't feel fun, pause and rethink it and just ask, how can this be easy? How can this be fun? I think that would have saved me a lot of anguish of launches or projects that I worked on where I had to grind my way through it, mm -hmm. perhaps too hard. And then for me, those questions also help me be more creative and innovative. Yeah. Because if I look for how to make it easy and fun, it's usually something that maybe not everyone's already doing. Totally, and there's so many options out there for Whatever it is, promotion, getting the word out, social media, like just do the things that you like yeah. because you literally can't do everything unless you have a team of interns, right. you know, working on LinkedIn and, and all these other things. It's like, great, I like being on Facebook. I sort of like being on Twitter. And as soon as I stop liking it, I'm just going to stop, yeah. you know, and, and, and that's even like for my website recently, I, st I took out, I made major changes. I took, 
I took out all the comments. I took out all the sharing buttons. I took out all the sidebars. And I, I literally just stripped it down to nothing but my writing. Love it. And it's it makes so much sense to me. I'm like, you know, first of all, people's comments are pretty dumb for the most part. <laughs> like some comments are wonderful and some people have really insightful stuff. But it's mostly just noise. And I realize if I want to make the reader's experience great, I want to, I might take that out. And even the sharing buttons. Like when I read an article and it's got all the sharing buttons, I'm like, ooh, how many shares did it get on LinkedIn? Like, who gives a shit? And and so I took all that stuff out in service of it being um, nicer and, and, and at the risk of losing some shares. But I haven't, it hasn't, I have like the hits have gone up. So it's like, well, whatever, like, you know. So yeah, I, I uh, okay, so what would you say that's to yourself? That's awesome. Yeah, besides the no, email marketing thing. No, that's what I would say, thing. let it be easy, let it be fun. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, like, like when, when you hit a block and something doesn't feel easy and fun, it doesn't mean stop doing it. Mm-hmm. I think it just means how can you tackle that differently and in a way that is is authentic to you mm-hmm. so i love the way you removed everything nice so what if, if all that stuff on your blog wasn't feeling fun it wasn't adding to your your experience even or your readers great yeah. take it away yeah i yeah i, I that i that i at least had from the beginning which was a sense of i'm doing this my way <laughs> I don't care what people's advice is. Uh-huh. I don't care that I'm like the took me so long to turn it into a business, and I'm still thinking about that. Where peers have run laps around me ten times over. Good. I yeah. don't care. Yeah. I can only build it in my way, and I'm in it for the long haul. The thing about running laps is, you know, you get you go back to the same place every uh, yeah. time you finish a lap. You know. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So that that I would say is just. Yeah, what I would encourage others to do as well. Just do what feels right to you. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, thanks so much for uh, enduring this sweatbox <laughs> here in, uh, in Ubud. I would and, have it no uh, other way. Thank you for having yeah. me. Yeah, this is it. Now I have to do all the interviews like this. I'm like, sorry, if you if you want to be on the podcast, you got to sit in a small, sweaty test, room with me. right? This is a kind of a litmus test. Like, how is someone put up with? Yeah. Sweaty. Yeah, I, may have to, I may have to get a little more famous before I can demand <laughs> that. But you never know. Yeah, you, you know, never know. People, well, people really want to get on podcasts sometimes. It's fun to be on the other side of the planet and talking about all this stuff. Yeah. It really is universal. And, um, yeah, thanks for having me. And thank you so much to everyone for being here listening. Yeah, cool. So how can people get a hold of you? Because I'm going to put stuff in the show notes, sure, too. But yeah. how can they get a hold of you if they want to check out? My main website is JennyBlake.me. Uh-huh. If you want to learn about the new book, it's at thepivotmethod.com. Uh-huh. The old school original site is lifeaftercollege.org. It's still up and running. Life After College is a great domain name. Thank it's you. awesome. I love that. It was yeah. so off. It was so like straightforward. Yeah. But it works, I guess. Yeah. And then I'm on Twitter at Jenny underscore Blake. Awesome. Thanks, yeah. Jenny. Reach out anytime. I look forward to hearing from any of you. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'll Thanks, talk to Dave. You soon. All right, bye everyone. <laughs>